Welcome to the Retirement Oasis, a podcast that helps you enjoy, plan, and visualize a retirement lifestyle defined by you. Your hosts and fiduciary financial planners, Mel Bond and Steve Martin, are here to offer wisdom and encouragement along with financial and lifestyle ideas for your journey into the best season of life. And now at the helm today, your hosts, Mel Bond and Steve Martin. Thank you and welcome again to the Retirement Oasis. This is Mel Bond, and I'm here with the other half of the retirement crew, Steve Martin. Hey, Mel. Good afternoon. Hello, everybody. Yes, yes. In this episode, we're going to cover that fourth domain of finding fulfillment in retirement, and it's called work. So in the uh, previous episodes, we covered the first three domains of fulfillment in retirement. Those were leisure connections and relationships, and renewal. So this fourth domain, work, needs to be in balance with those other three domains. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, please listen to those. And you might be saying to yourself, wait a minute, I'm retired or I'm retiring. That means I'm not going to be working. Au contraire. In today's new retirement age, many people are working in one form or another during retirement. Of course, work can be for pay or it can be unpaid or volunteer work. And this trend is growing. According to AARP, almost 25% of those over the age of 65 are either working or looking for work as of 2019. And that trend has been going up. It's a, it's a twofold increase in that percentage since 1985. So this is a trend that's happening for many reasons, and we're going to explore, explore those today. Hey, Mel, just to interject too on that, I think the pandemic obviously impacted it a bit, right? A lot of research and anecdotal evidence. Uh, some of the boomers retired early, right, as a result of the pandemic. So it's interesting to see how these statistics will play out over the long term. But now many of them are that quit, uh, you know, didn't want to deal with working during the pandemic or just like their time off and staying at home. Many of them are starting to go back now, uh, partly due to the economy, but they also uh, experience or want to experience the benefits of work again. Yeah, that's true. The pandemic has kind of thrown a loop in a lot of these statistics and but we are starting to see these statistics trend back toward where they were pre-pandemic so we're we're getting back there yeah and these people who are working you know aren't just people who you know maybe had not saved enough for retirement and so uh, they need to keep working it's also people that say have a college degree those are looking to work in some form of retirement are as we said, tending to increase. And it includes baby boomers, Gen X pre-retirees, a lot of people getting closer to that age say uh, they're going to continue to work in some form. Well, when you're using this word work, maybe we should define it. Let's mention what work is not. So let's not think of work as a job in the traditional sense with, you know, a tough boss and strict deadlines. We're not talking about trying to maximize your paycheck like we all have done during our working years and during our career. I like how Mitch Anthony described it. Work during retirement is, quote, an engagement that brings value to others 
and meaning to me, end quote. And you'll notice that Mitch's definition uh, does not mention, uh, does not include the word paycheck. Though a paycheck may be part of the meaning and value that, that you get out of it. Your quote, engagement could be like a regular W-2 employee. You might be an independent consultant with some uh, a lot of flexibility in your schedule, or you might actually be running your own business of uh, some size. In other words, you could be a researcher or a commentator or a social entrepreneur. It's not freedom from work that retirees are now necessarily looking for. Rather, they're yearning for freedom to work in ways that hold the promise of personal fulfillment, economic benefit, and social renewal. So, um, Steve, maybe we'll hop over now that we've defined work and start talking about some of the benefits people might get from working. Yeah, you've alluded to some of them already. There's certainly a, a lot of benefits from continuing to work in retirement. You know, during our working years, we, we may not recognize the true benefits. A lot of us have seen uh, or kind of view work as a paycheck, right, as a way to provide for us and our families during our working years and to save up that nest egg for retirement. Maybe we didn't start out looking at uh, that way in our uh, careers, uh, but as time went on, maybe we got disillusioned with our careers or jobs and, and saw it as more of a paycheck and didn't really recognize the non-financial benefits that we could potentially get from work. Uh, but you might be someone that's always enjoyed work and you've seen the non-financial benefits, so you may not want to retire, but, but many of us don't have a game plan to replace some of the non-financial benefits that we get from work uh, and we do need to recognize that. And again, to restate, you know, our favorite favorite author uh, on retirement, Mitch Anthony, just to reiterate uh, one of his quotes, I think that we alluded to in our leisure episode, he said that kind of turned a famous quote on its head, said that uh, in talking about why leisure alone is not good, he said that all play and no work make Jack a dull boy. You know, usually we say you, you want to have enough play in there to, to avoid being dull, but uh, but certainly in retirement, you can do all leisure and that can lead to a lack of fulfillment and could make you a little bit dull. So work has a lot of different benefits. And Mitch Anthony says that it's really not a question of if you're going to work. It's a, a it's so essential that it's a matter of how you work, work, if you will, into your retirement. But let's look at some of those benefits, certainly that sense of purpose. You've alluded to that, Mel. Having a purpose in retirement is so important. There's benefits out, you know, that that are, are sub-benefits, I guess, of, of having the purpose. But I'll read a quote from Mark Friedman, who I think is pretty good friends with Mitch Anthony. And Friedman has a great book called Encore. It's all about your encore years and finding fulfillment. And he really focuses on the kind of volunteering aspect to a degree or the social aspect. But his quote is that uh, in talking about baby boomers, because he's researched baby boomers and has worked with them in, in post-retirement years, but he said they're attempting to find more from work, not less, more flexibility to be sure, but equally more meaning and greater impact. And that's effectively what you said earlier. So it's that that freedom, that flexibility, and that impact that you, you might be looking for from work in retirement. But some of the other benefits, certainly the mental and physical health is improved. You have intellectual stimulation from engaging in some creative task. From a mental health standpoint, a Cornell study 
said that those who, uh, I think this was 2001, I don't know the time period, but those who left work and went back to work experienced uh, much less depression than those that continue to not work. And also it helps you age a little bit slower. Again, that the health span should be as long as the lifespan and working is a way to help you get there. A uh, study by um, University of Zurich found that in looking at blue collars, said that for every year of early retirement led to two months of shorter life expectancy. That's pretty big statistics. I thought it might be even more than that, but certainly impacts your fulfillment, I think, even more than that. But if it cuts down your life expectancy, that's a pretty good sign that work is beneficial. Wow, that's that's kind of amazing, right? I'm going to I'm going to go back to work and it's going to help me live longer. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you probably and I'm sure there's some caveats, right? You don't want too much stress. You want the right boss, et cetera. But uh, and that's just amongst blue collar workers, which and that work is a little bit harder, too. So I'd imagine, uh, you know, amongst white collar workers, it's probably even greater, greater impact. And Anthony also uh, looked at a study, uh, found a link between you know, not working and reducing or working and reducing Alzheimer's. Continuing to work allows the, as he said, the mental activity causes the the, uh, brain cells to branch wildly. So we can continue to have our uh, neurons, is it, in the brain uh, continue to develop in our retirement as long as we're keeping our brain active. And that's the key. Mm -hmm. You know, and some other benefits, social and relationship connections. So if we leave work, we talked about that earlier uh, in the previous episode, I think in relationships, but if we, a lot of our relationships are with work. So if we're leaving that or don't have a group to work with, again, it doesn't have to be the same employer, but, but working with others, again, allows us to have more relationships. It can give us an identity, which kind of ties to purpose and just opportunity for growth overall, using our skills, our talents, you know, our DNA, if we find the right work, we can just grow and, and that would add to our fulfillment as well. You know, the, all these benefits you're listing remind me that that definition of work we were talking about, it's not just working to get the paycheck. So when we structure our work to give us these benefits, there we, we'll find these benefits in uh, what we're doing. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Finding that right job is, is critical. Um, we don't just want to look for a paycheck because we may not experience all the benefits that we should if we're, you know, don't have the right view of work. You know, and on the other side, looking at the negative impact of retiring, an economics professor, uh, Deval Dave, will have a reference to the study in the show notes, but he looked at the effects of retirement on physical and mental health outcomes was the name of the article. But complete retirement, uh, the study said, led to a 5 to 16% increase in difficulties associated with mobility and daily activities. So an impact on physical health. It also led to a 5 to 6% increase in illness conditions. So physical and mental health there again, and a 6 to 9% decline in mental health over an average post-retirement period of six years. So, you know, the studies back up again, the, the impact, negative impact of retiring without any kind of work in engagement. But as you said, Mel, finding the right work for your unique DNA is probably a key to getting some of these benefits from continuing to work. Okay, so let's talk about that next. So when we're trying to decide what kind of work might be 
best for us during retirement, we need to take a step back and evaluate ourselves. And that includes your gifts, your values, skills, and also be aware of your strengths and weaknesses. You're going to have a lot more freedom, probably, in deciding what you want to do in retirement work-wise. And so, I mean, you'll have more freedom versus what you're doing when you're working as a career and for income. So you're going to also have more freedom to have it fit your gifts and values and strengths in ways that you may not have thought of before. So take some time to think what gifts you might have that seem to flow naturally from you. What uh, gifts do you enjoy giving to others? Me meaning not some a gift like you bought to give someone, but a gift of uh, doing a special favor for someone or what you found that you were good at. And so when you see someone saying, oh, I might need that, you're happy to share your learned knowledge with them. And don't focus too much on skills. A lot of times we learn and develop our skills as part of being productive and making more money. And so we don't want to put too much of an emphasis on skills because that often leads us down that same road, uh, a path that we had in our career. You may not want to use some of those skills that you developed, and you may want to learn new ones in, in this phase, new phase of life called retirement. And that's so, in and of itself. Now, I would just interject, uh, just learning new skills too, in and of itself can lead to uh, better, better brain activity and, and more fulfillment overall. So um, certainly that uh, should be considered. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So don't pigeonhole yourself into thinking that you're going to have to do that same type of work that you did in your career. Although on the flip side of that, you did develop some skills in your career and you may want to use those, but maybe in, in a different way. In previous episodes, we talked about the need to understand your drivers and personal motivators that will allow us to choose activities or jobs or work that make us tick. Career counselor and author Sedlar in his book, Don't Retire, Rewire, gave us a list of possible personal motivators, and those include accomplishments, actions and activities that you've done, uh, friendships, things you've done for intellectual stimulation, problem-solving skills, mentoring, both people who've mentored you and people you've mentored uh, in the past, prestige that you get and feel, the structure you need in your life, and of course, there are many others. One tool that uh, we have found very useful is the book and the test and the whole concept called Strengths Finders. It can help you evaluate how you're wired and especially focusing on your strengths. It's not necessarily to point you to a job. The results of, of Strengths Finders, and, and you'll get your top five strengths out of that, it's not all pointed toward a job or work, but it's really helping you think about uh, what you enjoy doing. So a tool like Strings Finders, and there are others, can certainly help you find the kind of positions that will let you use those strengths. 
One idea behind strengths finders is that we are happiest in jobs that utilize our strengths. So why shouldn't we use this tool to help us find the strengths and then find the job that matches them? There's also that book, What Color Is Your Parachute? Gosh, it's maybe the best-selling job hunting book of all time. And it has tools in it to help you find a career based on values and strengths. And so that kind of tool can be used. Just again, we're not looking for a job solely to make money, but we're looking on a job that really fits us well. And even if you don't find a true calling in a job and you might be flexible financially in the type of job that you choose, pick something that's fun, that you enjoy doing, that you, whether you're doing it for yourself or doing it for others, as we've said in earlier episodes, sometimes the activities you get into in retirement can accomplish more than one thing for you. Pick a job where you've got connections with people and just whatever is going to help you jump out of bed in the morning. Maybe it's not five days a week. Maybe it's just one or two. But the thing that will help you jump out of the bed, ready to go and excited to go do that activity. Yeah, if you can't get excited about the 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 work, volunteer or uh, or otherwise, then uh, yeah, you shouldn't do it. Be patient to find the right right position. Again, if you're financially secure, that there's probably a balance for some of you that that need need some money. But yeah, you've got to be excited about it here in these retirement years. Mel, let's look at some extra kind of quick thoughts, uh, other tidbits about work in retirement. I'll start us off. Um, be true to yourself. Avoid the trappings of why you chose maybe your main career or other positions throughout your career, you know, avoid the trappings of, you know, money, solely money, it might still be an issue, prestige, others' expectations of you, you know, many of us may have chosen our career based on those trappings. So if you're otherwise financially able to, to have as much flexibility in choosing the position that you like, again, find something that will truly give you fulfillment and bring impact to others and put, put all those trappings by the wayside. Yes, and uh, be careful of too much work. It's important to reflect on whether you're working merely because you value a strong work ethic and or whether you're working because you're really bringing a lot of other strong benefits to your life. Zelensky would say we need to replace that strong work ethic with the strong enjoyment ethic and that we may fruitlessly be working again without discovering our true calling. And, and we certainly want to enjoy this time in our life. Work is important part of retirement, can be, but we need that balance. Are you working too much at the sacrifice of your leisure and fun and playtime at the expense of being connected with others? and at the expense of renewal. For those that are workaholics, and if you have been financially successful in your life, that probably means you really focused on a job or career, and, and you may have some workaholic tendencies, it will be difficult to pull back the reins and say, whoa, whoa, that's too much work. <laughs> I'm jumping in again 
it's a different career, but here I am working too hard at it. And gosh, you're good at it. So people are asking you to take on more and more responsibilities and you want to make them happy. And next thing you know, you're back into your workaholic routine. But, you know, there's a lot at stake here. Well, I was going to say, yeah, along the lines of striking that right balance. Yeah, you don't want too much work. And part of that balance, you've got to consider the impact on others. We talked about relationships, how it is key to have strong relationships in retirement. Maybe you've worked a lot during your your career. Now you want to foster and, and further strengthen those relationships that might have been neglected, whether it's a spouse, parents, or children. So have those discussions with those key people in your life in retirement and applies whether you're single or married. You want to have those discussions. Be transparent. What does each other want and what's the right balance? Because you may, at the end of the day, may need to compromise if you want to start a business in retirement and your spouse wants to travel four months out of the year to Europe, then maybe starting a business is not the right call. And maybe it's some something a little bit less of a uh, uh, drain of your time and energy. Because if you, like you said, Mel, you may get in the trap of working, you know, before you know it, you're working another 40 hours a week or more. And that probably is not ideal for your relationship with others. Another thought about people who haven't hit that retirement date yet, you want to be careful about what you share with people at work, and of course, including your manager. You don't want to show your retirement cards too early. So be thoughtful about these activities that you want to engage in in retirement without sharing too much at, at work. You wouldn't want to fish around at work about what your part-time choices might be there too soon. Get close to that date. And of course, each company has its own culture and your situation might be unique. So you'll need to use your discretion to decide what's the right time to let the people at work, especially your manager, know that you're contemplating retirement. You might see some other people around you at work who've retired and maybe some of them have been hired on as consultants part-time. So just be aware of all that without showing your cards too early. Yeah, you actually uh, yeah, do need to be careful about uh, announcing any retirement or figuring out what your options are at certain employers. So be careful of that. But Mel, let's turn to looking at alternative arrangements for paid work in retirement. So it's, again, not an eight to five or eight to seven or or 60 hour a week job you're looking at here, there's a lot more flexibility. It could be a W-2 employee route. Again, could be less hours as typically is the case. It could be an independent contractor, you know, a freelance work to where you have more flexibility. Or it could be owning your own business with even more flexibility to some extent, but more responsibilities in, in another viewpoint. Uh, but with today's, you know, increased mobility and flexibility, could be a combination of all of those, and you potentially have the ability to, to call your shots. You know, in another aspect of work, it it could be short-term. It could be seasonal work, right, where you maybe work in the, the fall and winter months and have spring and summers off. Again, it could be quite flexible. It could be part-time. You alluded to that earlier. Maybe it's 10 hours a week. Maybe it's uh, three days a week. Again, you can call the shots. It's not the traditional job that maybe you had during your career. And Dr. Phyllis Horner, she uh, she wrote a book and several articles on work in 
in retirement or semi-retirement. She calls it the late career pathway. And she defines it. I'll, I'll read, read the quote. Um, Paid work you can do at your own pace. You choose your preferred environment with your chosen schedule and number of hours. You work with the type of people you want to be around, and that's key. I think that's a huge, huge differentiator here in, in retirement. You use your natural talents and interest for a purpose you value, and you work for a few years or many years. So again, a lot of flexibility if you do this right, if you're uh, completely financially secure. But before we dive into those options in more depth, Mel, we've got to step back and say, should you retire in the first place? Right. Whoa, that's, that's an idea there, right? <laughs> yeah. It seems like uh, too often we just say, okay, I'm 62 or I'm 65 uh, and that's when I'm supposed to retire or, you know, something happened at work and I just, you know, feel like it's, it's time to retire. Uh, but Maybe you, you should uh, do some planning along the way. So you'll know when's the best time for you to retire. Exactly. From a, and you're talking from a financial standpoint or both financial and, and non-financial, I guess. Yes, both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You definitely want to do the financial analysis and figure out if you can retire, but then yeah, the non-financial, what, what are you going to be doing in retirement? If you're not going to retire to something, then maybe you shouldn't retire in the first place. Cause really you want to retire to something and not retire from something, but, but also some of you may really enjoy your work. You may be fairly compensated. Uh, you may find meaning and purpose. You may love the people at your work or career. So maybe you ignore those artificial age markers about what retirement is, 62, 65. It might be 70. It might be 75. Again, I don't think you want to necessarily continue to work merely because you enjoy it because there are probably many other things that you would like to do and you should start to develop that. As you said, Mel, we really should plan for what a fulfilling retirement looks like, the leisure, the relationships, et cetera. So we're not suggesting just because work's great that you should never retire. Again, there's got to be a balance, but you need to do some introspection to see what you truly like. But again, the point here is uh, you, you may not want to retire in the first place. But Mel, let's uh, touch on some of these alternatives then for working. There's a wide variety of routes you can go about work and retirement. Yeah, so we're we're in this segment talking about work as it relates to what you did for your career and how that might translate after retirement. So one choice would be to stay with the same company, but work in a reduced capacity or take a different role. So you can think, oh, I'm doing this job. Maybe they would happy to have me doing this fewer hours a week or maybe on some kind of contract basis where I come in to help solve a problem for a number of weeks and then I'm off for a few weeks. The second choice there would be I'm with the same company, but I'm in a slightly different position. For example, you might have been working in a technical role and they would value having you in some type of business development role or a role where you're working with a team to create new services and your technical expertise is needed on that team. There are, can be quite a few benefits of remaining with the same employer. Of course, it could be the benefits, right? The company's offering benefits and maybe they'll continue those with you. 
you maintain relationships with fellow employees that you might have known for many years. You also have really good institutional knowledge about that company, the people, the clients, and the company would certainly value that institutional knowledge. And hiring someone to replace you might require a, a new person from outside the company somewhere has to be hired and that institutional knowledge doesn't exist yet in those people. And your employer can be very interested in your part-time work because there is a shortage of workers in many jobs. And so getting just a few hours from you might allow your company to be more thoughtful about their next hire. And your time that you give the company is also quite valued to them if they're having difficulty finding workers at a certain skill level. Yeah, I think that'll vary, uh, Mel. Yeah, based on the economy, right? That can ebb and flow about whether or not the opportunities to stay with your existing company. But uh, but I, uh, yeah, in today's environment, I think you're right. This is increasingly becoming an option with many companies. Yes, they're, they're being compelled to think about this kind of part-time work mm-hmm. for uh, talented employees because they're having a hard time finding uh, new hires that are have the right skill set. So your second choice is to maybe look at a different company in your same industry or find a different industry, but you're in the same role in that industry. So of course the goal there is to be in the same field and skill set to some degree, but you're working less hours in a slightly different role. You might wanna be enjoy being around some new people in a new environment. You might say that you want to move to a new city in retirement for whatever your reasons, better climate, Uh, maybe it'll get you closer to family. And so you wanna find some kind of work there in that new city and looking at a different company, same industry or different industry, same role, might be needed in that new city because your current employer may not have any uh, work there for you. Of course, in this day and time of working virtually, that can really expand what your choices are when you choose to step into a part-time role. Of course, you might like to stay in a field like marketing, but maybe pick a different industry or a nonprofit that could really benefit from your marketing skills. And this can be really exciting if you're uh, the type of person who loves to learn. Getting into a new industry, a new marketplace, learning the consumers that you're or of, of whatever that good or service or you know, uh, charity work, that can be really invigorating in retirement. Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, I've seen some folks go from marketing at a financial service organization to marketing for a nonprofit. And, and that was a great fit for, uh, for that individual. So that's a neat, uh, neat transition. Uh, you know, to take it to another extreme, you could start a totally new career. You know, I've seen that if, if you retire in your 60s, maybe early 60s, maybe you have 10 or 15 more years of strong work left. Or if you retire early 50s, like we're seeing some folks do, maybe they're not financially able to retire but a totally new career may provide good extra income while at the same time, maybe fulfilling a long-term goal of doing a a certain or having a certain career uh, than what you did in your main career. So, so look at that. It it comes down to really looking at 
looking at it from a practical perspective as well. Ask yourself, what are the training considerations? You know, if there's a lot of formal or informal training needed and you're in your late 60s, maybe you only have five years left of a strong career. And if it's not a really deep passion, does it really make sense to get a law degree at age 70, for example, and work five more years? It might. You might care less about the money that you make, but it, it you know, three years of law school can be pretty hard work. And I'd probably rather be doing something else at age 70, but we've seen stories of doing that, right? But I think there has to be a practical view of this and an assessment of, okay, what kind of training is truly needed to start a new career? Getting even more extreme now, I would say it's more extreme in some respects is owning your own business, right? Being that entrepreneur, calling your own shots. And and there's a lot of information out there, a lot of a lot of older uh, boomers, especially now starting businesses. I think, uh, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I think somewhere I read that most businesses now are being started or start up by baby boomer, kind of in the semi-retirement stage or maybe more than they ever have before. But certainly it is a trend to be starting businesses in semi-retirement. But again, reality should come into play here. Uh, yeah, maybe you have that passion, but is, is it going to require a lot of time? Uh, is it going to put stress on other relationships? So you've got to have that conversation with your, your spouse, significant others, others that may be impacted by your decision, uh, but maybe they can join you as well on your business, right? You've, you've been there, done that. I know, Mel, not in semi-retirement, but you uh, kind of worked with your whole family on a business, pros and yeah. cons of that, but I could see people doing that in semi-retirement. Well, and along those lines, if you are considering this owning your own business approach, Get in touch with some others who've done it. I'm sure you can find people online and especially who've done this in retirement and you know, see what they've done, what it took to make it happen. And so you don't get in over your head. Yeah, and you may not have to do it on your own. Maybe it's not a relative you join with. Maybe it's a, a younger individual that wants to be an entrepreneur and you are uh, teammates, co-owners of this business and, and share responsibilities there. And maybe the younger person is, more responsible on the day-to-day and you're more strategic. So that could be a good balance of owning your own business. And I have seen others, Mel, we've seen this a couple of different times, at least in our careers that, um, you know, I've had some say, hey, I wanted to be an entrepreneur all these years, but I just couldn't take the risk, right? I wanted to make sure I had enough money to put food on the table and build up a retirement nest egg. And now uh, the individual I'm thinking of, clearly saved up enough for retirement. Now they're able to take the plunge in the risk with entrepreneurism. I mean, they're being sharp with how much they devote in capital, but it does require some capital to start many businesses. So you want to make sure you don't do too much, but if you can do it risk-free and have a certain amount, you can can lose. You don't want to go in that with, man, with that mentality, but that might, if you do have that financial security, might allow you to uh, take a little bit more risk than you were when you were in their 30s uh, with with a few kids. As long as you're not jeopardizing all that you've saved up to last you the rest of your life. Yeah, you can. We've seen that too. Some people making uh, some bad, bad decisions and not really doing the financials of, of what it's really required to run a particular business. So yeah, be, be smart about it. You know, one other aspect of starting a business that might be even better than pure business is tying your business to a hobby. 
You know, it might be bake, bike shop repair. To a degree, that's a hobby for many folks, combining their love of biking and bikes with maybe owning a bike shop. Again, if you can do it with somebody else, that might be the best of both worlds. Or I talked about previous episodes, maybe sports writing and um, having a blog. So combining the, the joy of sports and sports writing with, with trying to make a little bit of money there. So working in some form for compensation will be pursued by many of you. It's not the right decision for everybody. And there's going to be some financial considerations. We're not oblivious to the fact that getting extra compensation might be a factor in giving you fulfillment in retirement. It might allow you to might allow you to retire a little bit earlier from your main job if you knew maybe half of your regular income is going to be coming in in the second career. So it has that benefit, but also the benefit of allowing you to maybe do a little bit more travel if you have that extra funds coming in. So financial considerations certainly are part of it, but it's not the the only thing. There are non-financial considerations to consider. And a lot of times that's that drives your decision on which which job to choose. And talking about the non-financial aspect, want to talk about non-paid or volunteer work, or it might be working for nonprofits for a little bit of pay. But let's look at what volunteering might look like in retirement, because it's a huge aspect of many retirees' retirement. Yes, working in retirement does not necessarily mean paid work. Volunteering can be a huge part of a fulfilling retirement. Certainly, you get financial and non-financial benefits from paid work, but taking on volunteer work can be very rewarding. So let's kind of walk through some of the benefits people get from volunteer work. Of course, it keeps your brain active, you're connected with others and engaged, you're, you have purpose in, in that work. Since you're in, in a charity providing some specific type of service, there can be physical activity, you know, just moving around. But there's been a lot of research on the benefits of volunteering. So I thought we would run down some of that research because it's really it's really encouraging and motivating and i'm going to list some of these benefits and and the and the group that did the study just for those of you who might want to do a little more homework on this so a cornell university study said those who volunteer during retirement increase their self-esteem and they gain more control over their life and this helps them age successfully. Dr. Caroline Schwartz studied the impact of multiple sclerosis patients, MS patients, who were receiving peer support. And she observed that those providing the support received more benefits than the patients that received their support. So I'm going to tell you that again. The volunteers who were helping the MS patients got more benefits than the patients themselves who were receiving this support. Another study by the Social Capital Community Benchmarks Survey found that among those working at charities, the volunteers were 42% more likely to be happy than the non-volunteers. So this is all people working at a charity. The volunteers were happier than the non-volunteers. Harvard Medical School professor and researcher George Valent studied the impact of what he called generativity, and that is the passing on of what we have learned 
to future generations. And he said this, this process of generativity or passing on of our knowledge to the next generation had a huge impact on the quality of life for those in their 70s. With community building via generativity, those in their 70s are more likely to have a time of joy rather than despair. Zelensky referenced a University of Michigan study that found that retirees who volunteer have a 67% lower risk of dying over a seven year period compared to those who did not volunteer. That's so, big. And, it's huge to, you know, what you're, you've reduced your risk of dying over that seven year period by two thirds. Wow. Retirement coach Holly McFarland has stated that volunteering provides a retiree with the practical benefits of enjoying new experiences, learning new skills, expanding their current skill set, and even maybe giving us a new identity in retirement. And those practical benefits lead to the practical benefits of working lead to the positive sort of emotional benefits that we've referenced above. Also, while giving time and energy provides benefits to us as a giver, giving money has also been found to contribute to happiness and fulfillment. In that uh, survey we quoted above, the um, Social Capital Community Benchmark Survey, those who made monetary charitable gifts were 43% more likely to be very happy about their lives compared to those who did not make charitable gifts. Combining your contribution of money and time together to an organization has meaning that obviously leads to a more fulfilling retirement. The New York Times reported that Retirees do indeed have increased level of self-esteem and energy in light of their increased sense of purpose and contact with the community when they're giving both money and time to the community. Yeah, that's a lot of uh, a lot of benefits. Whether you give of your time or money, I think probably giving your time and skills uh, seems to result in, in better fulfillment overall, better health. But both combined can be uh, impactful. And with that, you would think. 100% of retirees would volunteer, right? It's a pretty good amount, but I was surprised that it's as few as it is. Um, evidence shows that about a little over 25% of retirees do some kind of community service. I would have thought it would have been 75% or so, but of course those are in elder years. I don't, again, I don't know how the study exactly went, but uh, could be skewed a bit, but quite a few people do participate, but I don't think enough do. For whatever reason, I think it is hard to find that right match, and it just requires a little uh, gumption, if you will, to find out that that right volunteer activity for you. But I would encourage all of our listeners that are getting ready to retire or in retirement or even pre-retirement, think more strongly about your volunteer opportunities out there. And there are a lot. It doesn't have to be a one-size-fits-all to volunteering, but it's got to be a cause that, that you care about. Right. That'll, again, get you get you motivated, get you back. And, and not all volunteer activities go smoothly. Sometimes they're not as organized as you want them to be. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes the people that you are serving, maybe they don't show as much gratitude as you would like. So it's got to be some passion inside you that will get you through maybe some of those difficult times because it's not all 
you know, unicorns and rainbows. Is that the expression or something like that in terms of volunteering? But usually who you're serving really enjoys it and appreciates it and you get a lot out of it. So, but find something that you're passionate about. And as I said, there's different ways to, to volunteer. Again, it's not just going on a Saturday, eight to 12 and doing an activity. And it might be that, but it could be a, a blend of paid and non-paid work. Even though you say volunteer, it it's, means non-paid. We're talking about really more nonprofits in general. If it's paid, it's generally for quite a bit less than what you might get, say, on the corporate side or with your other main career. Uh, but some of you might still need a little extra income to do extra things or to just help you meet your financial needs. So getting paid for volunteer or nonprofit activity, there's nothing wrong with that. And there are many organizations out there that probably need your skill sets. And I have seen, Mel, you've probably seen that too. Individuals go from maybe a corporate job to a nonprofit activity. I talked about the the lady earlier that took her marketing skills from a, a, a financial institution to a nonprofit. I've seen other executives here locally go from kind of a a consultant uh, in their career, business consultant, to really leading a local nonprofit. The the local Big Brothers Big Sisters made a huge impact. I'm a huge fan of that organization, and they were too. Was a great leader, did great things for this organization, and still got paid. Is probably a fraction of what he made in his uh, role as a consultant, but it still gave him some extra money and was a great benefit to this organization. Yeah, I've got, I'm on the finance committee at a nonprofit. There's a lady on the committee who's was a serial entrepreneur. She's officially quote retired, but boy, we would, we would be lost without her contributing to the board and the finance committee. And when we needed an employee, the nonprofit for a few months in a development role, she's like, Oh, I got time. Let me do it. So it's like a wonderful, we're, we're really grateful for her help. Yeah, you don't know where where that can uh, lead to, right? Just uh, starting off small or big, and it could lead to using your your skill sets. And and sometimes you can get sucked into. I've seen uh, some people say they're cautious to volunteer because it could lead to so much more. So you have to you have to draw boundaries though. At the same point, but one other uh, kind of even more extreme uh, to a degree on volunteer work or really serving others is this social entrepreneur concept, right? It's this is kind of picking up steam amongst so some younger folks are doing that for a little bit of pay, being a social entrepreneur, uh, but baby boomers are doing this more and more. And that Mark Friedman's book, The Encore, really talks more about that. And he works in this area in particular. But that's the idea of, you know, finding a cause you're passionate about and creating the charitable organization and developing a process, procedures to, to uh, meet your mission, if you will. So especially for those that were entrepreneurs during their life or really or during their career or called the shots as a manager, this might be a good fit for you. It does require maybe some time, maybe some finances. So you need to do a reality check to see if you really want to go deep in being a social entrepreneur. But again, you don't have to do it on your own. You can involve other family members. You can involve friends uh, from, from your prior work life or outside to, to pursue that together and that could be the the best of all worlds pursue this kind of fill a need where there's a gap in society develop the relationships or strengthen relationships bring a friend along to work with you and i i could see myself really wanting 
that approach in fulfilling some gaps and things that have been on my mind that someone needs to take care of. And there's plenty of plenty of need out there in society. Yep. And there is uh, another way to combine adventure and volunteering. And you could put that in the category of missions, maybe. And we say missions, that can include, you know, the Peace Corps and, and even those types of, in a sense, multinational service groups. It's adventurous to travel the globe while serving other people in need. And you can do that through your church, the, the denomination that you're affiliated with. There are also other organizations that might call themselves or that are Christian organizations, but they're not connected to denominations. And, and they have opportunities for you to do missions work. And this combination of, again, travel, adventure, service, really fits certain people. In fact, it was just a few weeks ago, we talked to a client who lives in the mother-in-law suite of a home with her adult child. And she says, oh, I'm going to the South Pacific for a year to live and, uh, and do missions work. It's like, you know, wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So she's going to be with people that she has a lot in common with, but may not know. And, and of course, really be excited about her work there, making a difference in the lives of the people there in that community. Other civic organizations like Rotary, the Lions Club, the Shriners, they also have opportunities to go overseas and, and do some work for those causes. I have a someone I know who, for many years, has gone on trips, international trips, with Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. And they've been to India and Haiti and uh, other countries to build homes for you know, two or three weeks at a time, they get to know the other people who take those trips sometimes. And uh, sometimes they rub shoulders with famous people uh, who chose to take that trip as well. And that's kind of fun for them to sit around the dinner table and talk about, you know, working on the roof of a Habitat house, house with Brad Pitt. <laughs> so church, of course, gives you opportunities and, and denominations as well. But also, just your local church or synagogue or whatever religious group you're involved with, they have opportunities for you to stay local, close to your home, strengthen your relationships with the people at your church, and make a difference in the lives of many people. And that doesn't have to be formal. It can be on the team to take food to uh, new mothers or helping to take care of widows who and widowers who may not be able to get to church as frequently as they would like, including picking them up and bringing them to church, helping to babysit a neighbor that, that needs some help while they're going to work during the day sometimes, welcoming new neighbors to your community. And so even having an impact on, in one person's life occasionally can go a long way to help us have joy and fulfillment in our life during retirement. And that's a great summary of the different alternatives uh, to volunteer. 
there's no doubt there's a clear opportunity to bring greater fulfillment to your retirement years if you do volunteer. A lot of non-financial benefits that you can get from it, but you might be able to get some financial benefits if it is a paid role with uh, with with a nonprofit. But again, you're also able to strengthen relationships with others if you're involved with others. You're you're moving more, you're thinking more. So again, lots of benefits of volunteering, but you've got to prioritize your time. Look at you know, again leisure. Look at relationships. Look at renewal. All these other aspects of the retirement that will take some of your time. So you don't want to be solely devoted to volunteering or or to work. You've got to think high level how it relates to all of these other aspects of retirement and find the right formula for what you want to do. And there could be seasons for, for volunteer work. So I think that wraps us up now in looking at uh, kind of this, this series about designing an ideal retirement, the, the well-being that we spoke of. We spoke of leisure, spoke of uh, connections or relationships, or we spoke of renewal, the health, mind, and spiritual aspects of renewal. So there's a lot of different areas we need to think about on what could give us fulfillment in retirement. And it really is unique to you. And it could, again, you could have seasons uh, and it could vary throughout retirement. Uh, So in future episodes, we're going to continue to dive into the well-being aspects, getting into the nooks and crannies of some of these issues. But we're also going to focus also more on the financial aspects, whether it's tax, investments, some other areas uh, that we're going to focus on. I think we have a couple on Social Security coming up. So be alert for some of those episodes. Excellent. Hey, thanks, y'all, for joining Steve and I today. This is the Retirement Oasis podcast, and you can get more information at theretirementoasis.com. And you'll also find links to additional resources that we mentioned here in this episode. Of course, if you need guidance and encouragement in planning your retirement and you want a fresh approach from a fiduciary, please visit our firm's website at oasiswealthplanning.com. And there you can schedule a call with either Steve or myself. And if you like what you heard, we encourage you to please visit your favorite podcast platform. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a rating and a review. We really appreciate it. It helps us share with others what helped you. And we want to reach more people and help guide them to their retirement oasis. So until next time, We wish you clarity, confidence, and cheer on the way to your retirement oasis. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Retirement Oasis podcast. You can find more episodes and resources at theretirementoasis.com. Steve Martin and Mel Bond are certified financial planning practitioners at Oasis Wealth Planning Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm headquartered in Nashville with meeting locations throughout the Southeast, including Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. The opinions given are for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, financial planning, or tax advice. Consult your own professionals for recommendations specific to your situation. Investments involve risk. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. On behalf of the crew at the Retirement Oasis, we thank you for listening.